they are not alone. There are very few companies doing well at this. Most companies are really struggling. Hello and welcome to The Growth Business, a podcast sponsored by Sapphire Systems, frictionless digital platform provider. I'm your host, Lucy Thorpe, and today I'm joined by Maureen Blandford, who describes herself as a B2B nerd. She's also worked as an entrepreneur and a leader in tech marketing. Today, she calls herself the Legacy Mountain Whisperer, which is quite a name. Welcome, Maureen. Uh, thanks for having me, Lucy. I'm delighted to be here with you. So tell me about this name. How did you come up with this Legacy Mountain Whisperer? It really started in, in 2016 when I was trying to untangle some, you know, some transformation work. Um, and it occurred to me back then we were really doing a lot of talking. The market was talking a lot about how CIOs owned transformation. And what occurred to me was, you know, yeah, we're dealing with legacy tech, but we're also dealing with legacy processes and mindsets and humans. You know, it wasn't just all about the digital infrastructure and it was just kind of this mountain of stuff that we're all shackled to or tied to. Um, and we need a path off and there's no one path off. So Legacy Mountain isn't just um, old style ERP, which is what it might mean to me or you know, people that I work with, you've got a slightly broader definition. When I look at why we are all stuck on Legacy Mountain, uh, it's because of the, the lack of understanding, I think at the C-suite and the board level, if I'm being honest, about all of the legacy stuff that they're sitting on. And we've been kind of hyper-focused on the digital infrastructure, which to be fair is bad, you know? So I think it's been several years now that um, Forrester said, 87% of a CIO's budget was just was just put towards keeping the lights on, which is terrible. Um, but for any of us who have lived through um, a transformation project or several of them, um, we can see that it's, um, are we hiring the right people? Are we, are we hiring people for roles today with a, with a job description from 10 years ago? Like, why hasn't that improved? How people are working together. And when you're really in the bowels of transformation, you see that the stuck bits are really about the humans um, and the humans who can't let go of doing this very convoluted thing because that's how the tech infrastructure is set up and they can't see a different path forward. So no one's really leading and we're just kind of, churning in place, um, a quote I use from Dion, a, a, a lot of quotes from Dion, but Dion pulls his CIO audience yearly and asks them where they are in transformation. And every year they report gaining traction, five years ago training, gaining traction two years ago. And I don't blame that on IT. I think it's the humans who are in the mix that are that are causing a lot of the hurdles. So there seems to be some blockage and the word mindset keeps coming up time and time again. And um, people with a sort of cloud first mindset seem to be the ones that are winning. I think the CIO community really has a lot of great thinkers about what the future state should be that I'm a wholehearted fan of. What I think we haven't figured out is how we get from here to there. And that's the hard part. That's what needs the Sherpas. So it sounds like, and I keep, I feel like a broken record because I've had this conversation several times this week, which is about um, change management and culture management and all those kind of skills, which up until, I mean, even up until sort of COVID seemed to be, seemed to be quite soft skills. Is this where you're coming from that we need more of this? A hundred percent. And, and I think you've put your finger on it. Um, that's the piece that's missing that again, I think needs needs leadership and direction from on high, um, because adjacent to change management is psychological safety. So if we're doing ad hoc change management, that's not going to work out very well. Um, and I think we're also seeing your, your change management point 
in the whole back to the office hybrid virtual whatever it's it is those softer human skills that that we don't have muscle memory for today internal in organizations that we need help with and i don't see i don't see it coming down the pike it's interesting because we, we just had you know a quick five minutes before we sort of hit record on this and we were talking about sort of post covid about how you can be more authentic and how you can be more real. And there isn't a, a, a dividing wall, is there, between that and what we're talking about with technological improvements and breaking through blockages and so forth. That's exactly it. Uh, it, it is, I think we forget, so in, in AI development, we talk about the importance of human in the loop. In, in software development, quality software development, that practice, they talk about socio-technical. Um, and, and I am a big fan of, of both of those um, practices. That's missing in the rest of, of corporate um, around the world. You know, I haven't been everywhere, but I'm, I'm very in touch with the market. I have colleagues pinging me all the time. So I have a good sense of what's going on in, in other organizations. And very few of them are, are actually slaying on, on both of these points. The rest of us are just mucking around operationally. You know, you're, you're given, you know, you, you get a spreadsheet that has data pulled out of some system of record, you know, two days before the exec ops meeting and, and 50 people are in a 30 tab Excel, like mucking around. Um, and then you hit a deadline, you just throw that over the wall and hope it's okay. You know, that is actually the reality of what's going on in most organizations. And there doesn't seem to be a leadership appetite to fix that. I feel I ought to step forward and say my organization would will very, very happily step forward and come <laughs> up with a, a joined awesome. up plan for how we can solve this. I, I mean, I think there are good guys out there. And, and another um, point that we did touch on was, was the sort of analyst community and how great people like Diginomica are because they really champion the user. Uh, what I love about Diginomica is they're so truthful. So we get we get great stories about who's doing it well, but they're also not afraid to share the stories of of who's who's not done it well. And I think the sharing stories is powerful. Uh, so, so for instance, when I'm talking to analysts, it's, it's the same message. So your clients that you're working with are already leaning in. They recognize a problem and they want some help. Um, folks that are going to analyst teams, the same thing. They're leaning in. They want some help. And the perception, particularly with analysts, is that maybe there's more good work going on in the market because they're interacting with people who want the help. And what I want to do is get more, more people in the market to folks like you and analyst teams and whomever looking up and learning from other people and understanding that they have faced that mountain um, and they've gotten to the other side and it's doable. We need a bunch more um, success stories. Really, we need a bunch we? more success stories. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Again, that's um, that's my role. I wear that hat. I will I will take anyone's success story and, and then publish that if they want to come to me with it. Um, now, some of the other things you've been talking about, you said that very few people are winning at data. What did you mean by that? Yeah, so this is something that I have had a sense of for years uh, and have been trying to quantify it. And luckily, we've had a couple of really good stories, good studies published recently. So both Fivetran and MuleSoft have, have come out with studies that talk about uh, the Fivetran study really does a great job quantifying the cost and peeling back the scabs. That's a little bit of a, um, but they have 
of, of what all this cobbling together data is costing organizations, how inefficient it is. And for me, I feel like they've got really their thumb on the pulse of what's happening in most organizations today who haven't figured out transformation. So that's a great study. And they talk about not only the, the, the money that companies are spending with data engineers to cobble this data together, but what kind of a waste of time it is and how long it takes to get to insights. I could go on forever about that. And then MuleSoft, um, I wanna just point out one thing from them, although their whole study is, is excellent, but just a couple of notes. They're saying that over half of IT projects weren't delivered on time last year. And I don't think that that's, I don't think that's gonna sound false to anyone in the audience. Um, I would argue that that's not always the fault of IT in the same way that product sprints get interrupt all, interrupted all the time due to like executive needs or the largest customer needs something. So I think that's more than just the IT department doesn't know how to project manage. Um, it may be that they don't know how to manage up. Uh, the other really interesting thing from the MuleSoft, which I care about a lot, is that data silos are a persistent challenge for 90% of organizations. So there are more to both of these studies than, than a couple of those um, sources I've cited. And then, I'll, and then I'll just stop with one last one from Dion Hinchcliffe, who just published in uh, Datastack's piece. And he talked about a large gap remains between what is possible and what many organizations are actually achieving with data. So I think we're just now starting to get some good information about what's actually happening in organizations. It's very tech founder ecosystem to be promoting themselves in the market with how they're killing it and they're slaying and on. And so many companies feel like, ah, you know, so many companies are doing well and we're not, we're struggling. And I just want to flip that narrative and help people understand that they are not alone. There are very few companies doing well at this. Most companies are really struggling and, and kind of treading water in place. I could talk about that all day. I mean, there's certainly no magic wands, are there? And it, it's no, accepted no. that uh, some, of, some of this is hard work, but there, but there are solutions. That, that there are great products. There are there are great partners and also it's about the right leadership isn't it and um, mm -hmm. this is another thing that that we were going to talk about which was the, the the current challenges that face leadership at the moment they're pretty big aren't they yeah it, it is when I've looked at the organizations that I've been in um, and talking to colleagues and and you know reading reports in media the thing that is truly puzzling to me is we've got smart good-hearted people leading many companies. You know, not everybody is fabulous, but a lot of people have good hearts and they're smart. Um, so why is it that we are so stuck in, in getting this work done and so unaware of, I would think that the C-suite would be fairly unaware of the data cobbling happening with their senior leaders, very expensive senior leaders and their teams. I don't know how they can be that unaware. It's just, I think a lot about these leaders and their teams that we're forcing to spend so much time cobbling data together. What are they not doing that they could be doing strategically for the organization um, that they're not doing because they're cobbling data together? Dory Clark has also pointed to a couple of Good research stories, something like, I won't get this exact, but um, one fairly big study talked to senior leaders, I think it was like 10,000, 97% um, of them said the, the most value that they can bring to their organization is strategic thinking. A separate study said 
96% of them don't have the time for strategic thinking. So those, those two things I feel like should be very compelling to the C-suite or boards. And how are we not getting that message through? Yeah. So they can't do the thing that they're paid to do or the thing that they're great at doing because they're too busy keeping their head above water, which mm -hmm. is what we started by talking about. The IT people were also trying to keep their lights on. Everybody yep. <laughs> seems to have got the time to sit back and make some of these big decisions. Absolutely. And, and recognizing what we can take off people's plates, how we can as organizations um, determine, you know, what's important and what's urgent. There's just a lot of things that we could be doing better, but that takes leadership from the top. Um, it's there are little kind of skunk works or tiger team projects that can happen that can create some change. Um, but you can't get whole scale change without whole scale effort driven by the senior leaders in the organization. What are you proposing as a solution then to all these problems? Because it looks pretty <laughs> grim from where you're sitting. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, um, yeah. So much opportunity though is the, is the flip side there. So I'm a big proponent of transformation. Uh, I think that, that companies need to do that right, pri primarily with partners. And here's why I'm a fan of, of partners in transformation. You and your organization likely have very smart people on your team um, and in technology, really smart technical people. But if they have not led a transformation before, or maybe they've been involved in one other one, it is hard to lead transformation and anticipate all the obstacles. And that's where partners have done a ton of that work and can work hand in glove. Um, with the internal team and manage up and know where to say no. So, so I'm a fan of that, but it is a long time to customer insights there. So there are a lot of, as you said earlier, there are a lot of tools and organizations and partners um, that, that can help. I'm a fan, you know, my big thing right now is, is the cross-functional, um, is the siloed humans and, and tech stacks. So primarily I'm focused on product marketing, sales and success. Um, each of those functional areas has insights the others need um, but we are not great at sharing those today. We don't have tech that supports it and we don't have muscle memory or skills. People aren't sharing largely not because they're because they're bad people. Um, it's it's because we just don't we, we, that's just not in practice today. So I am a proponent of um, both with with helping the humans kind of rethink and re-see their colleagues in a new way, how they can work together in a structured way um, to mine for insights, um, collaborate, corroborate, so they can be acting more in near real time on, on strategic issues that can affect the trajectory of their business. Any particular techniques or methodologies that you would um, recommend for that, um, particularly as we're not all in offices, really, not yet? Right, right. So yeah, so the office, the office is, is luckily not, um, not key. So I did write a book called Moats and Drawbridges on how we got here today with the silos and what we need to be doing. So I've, I've ticked out a methodology there, but essentially, um, how can I say this at a high level? Uh, we, need, we need product marketing, sales and success by their leadership in an organization, pulling in the same direction, working together, not just two people here, three people here, all four of them working on material business issues uh, in a structured programmatic way. And then that data that they collect uh, needs to then live in a system of records somewhere. Often today, 
as I talk to customers and I talk to prospects and, and I talk to analysts, um, you'll hear, especially from, from CEOs of like mid-sized tech companies, you'll hear, oh, we're together all the time. We're talking, um, we've got exec team meetings, you know, weekly or whatever. And then as they kind of talk through it, um, they realize, yeah, but they don't really have visibility to the side conversations and that's not codified or cataloged or lives anywhere. So I think there's a lot of great work we can be doing to structure those relationships and then codifying it so we can start to robustify the data that we currently have in our system. So sales and marketing probably has done the best job over the past decade or two in, in collaborating but success has a lot of value to add there and product has a lot of value to add there. So I'd like to see us grow beyond kind of the same conversations we've been having for 10, 15, 20 years. Fantastic. And um, I mean, talking about conversations, um, that used to be the tagline, didn't it, for social media back in the day, which was all about joining the conversation and switching up the conversation. Do you get involved in, in the social media today, Maureen, or have you had enough of it? That's a great question. In fact, I'm doing a workshop on this on this next week. So I, I'm a fan of social media. I'm a particular fan of Twitter, which has been brilliant for my career. And I think there are some ways to keep that manageable, that um, keep it healthy and a great place to, to grow. I have some beef with LinkedIn, which maybe I won't go into right now. Oh, no, don't, um, please. <laughs> into it. I'm LinkedIn's biggest fan, so maybe we can have an argument. My beef with LinkedIn is, is a couple of things. One is I have no control over the stream that I see, um, whereas on Twitter, you can, you can look at that chronologically. Um, I think LinkedIn gives a lot of value to heartwarming, heartwarming stories that get 15,000 likes or whatever and 600 comments. My beef in, back in the day with LinkedIn was they have so much information on me and I get targeted for job roles that are, that are nowhere near relevant. It's similar beef today is LinkedIn has so much information on me. They know the topics I post on. They know the people and I, I interact with. They know the like audiences to the people I interact with. And yet so many people I really value I, are thrown into my stream. And I think that's kind of shite. It was, it's interesting because I, I was talking to somebody the other day and they were saying um, that actually, in fact, it was David Meerman Scott. I don't know if mm, you know him. I do. He was, um, he was a fabulous guest. And he was saying that LinkedIn was the only kind of honest social media left because of all the awful things that had happened with Facebook and, oh. and you know, Twitter for, for a lot of people is a very toxic place. Right. He felt that LinkedIn was the was the only good one left. But I, I, I hear what you're saying. For me, I really like the fact that you can broadcast and, you know, you can go live and you can do newsletters and there's lots of really cool things that can help you if you are geared up to take advantage of them. True. And I don't disagree that there are some positive things about LinkedIn and as a marketing leader, I thought they did, you know, promoted posts very well, but the people that I value on LinkedIn tend to be the folks who get the, the lower quantity engagement, but for me, it's higher quality content. And I don't know why LinkedIn hasn't figured out how to, how to manage that. Um, and what I, the issue I think people have with Twitter, this is going to be one of the things in my workshop next week, I'm going to tell people is I'm a fan of, you've had Twitter for a while, go in and delete people you're following. If you're not a journalist, 
I think Twitter is a lot less toxic, um, but I think also it's it's who you're following. And I think you can tidy up your that stream and and really get a lot more value out of it. And I follow a mix of professional and, and news sources. It's a, it's a very strange mix, but I don't follow a lot of people. So I don't have to manage lists. Um, and I follow people who engage and are willing to, or just willing to engage on, in, on, in all sorts of ways. So I think it's, I think Twitter is great for that. I think LinkedIn is a little bit harder. Wow, that, that's interesting. We went off on a little bit of a tangent there, but but that was fun anyway. <laughs> it was fun for me. Um, look, thank you so much for joining us, Maureen. We sort of come to the end of uh, of our allocated time. I'm going to drop some links to your stuff into the show notes so people can follow you on Twitter and um, and not on LinkedIn or, or whatever they choose. But um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> do look into the show notes for relevant links and information. And thank you so much for, for joining me. My pleasure. Thank Thanks for having me. Brilliant. Thanks, Maureen. This has been The Grove Business for this week. I'll see you next time. Thanks very much. Goodbye.